for it. Cool. Okay, so um, I guess this is the first episode of our, <laughs> uh, what did we call it? The self-help podcast or something like that. Um, yeah, and we're doing the book Attached by, I'm going to mess up their names definitely. I didn't even try to practice their names at all. But <laughs> Amir Levine and Rachel Huller, I think. Um, yeah, so, and then the subtitle of the book is The New Science of Adult Attachment and How It Can Help You Find and Keep Love. Cool. Are you ready, Peter? No, I'm ready. Okay, so um, I don't know if you want to start with, with your summary. Give no, I'll go for it, then I'll, I'll go with mine afterwards. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, very rough, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, so attachment or attached is, a, is about mainly understanding the three different attachment styles. There's anxious, avoidant, and secure. And then with anxious people, they usually are anxious about the state of the relationship. Then for avoidant people, they usually usually avoidant or they have avoiding tendencies in the relationship when things get too close. And then for secure people, those are the ones who are normally stably committed um, and they seek the well-being of the other. And then the book covers a number of real-world cases, examples, studies, um, and it explores how people act when attached to a partner, specifically in the context of a, rela- of a romantic relationship. And then it also tries to help you understand attachment style, so as well as well, your own attachment style, as well as the attachment styles of others, um, with a note that um, it's often based, what do I say here, with the note that often based on our attachment style, we act in remarkably predetermined ways. Um, And then it also tries to help one understand the constructive and destructive patterns that play out in the various attachment styles, as well as how those attachment styles interact. So, yeah, that's the overall summary, I think. (laughs) you wanna yeah no i can add on to that so um yeah with uh, as you mentioned it covers three attachment styles you know um anxious avoidant and secure mm. uh, i think just to um highlight something it's just the different strategies which the avoidant and the anxious um attachment styles kind of gravitate around you know mm. how um the anxious uh, people are more have more activating strategies, which uh, in turn like um, try to seek closeness from their partners because as anxious people, they try to, you know, feel close to their partners. Um, mm. Yet with avoidant people, they have deactivating strategies, which they kind of like, execute. And by so doing, they try to push their partners away, you know. Um, for secure people, they're, they're boring, I would say. And <laughs> most stable people, you know, about that. Uh, but yeah, so I think that's very important to kind of you know, when identifying also to kind of dig deep and actually understand what um, your partners or whoever it is you're trying to understand their attachments or what they activate, you know, deactivating strategies are, mm. you know, um, because then in turn, you know, if you're, tr- because late in the book, they kind of try guide you uh, in sort of mitigating the opposing factors. That's if 
Guan is finds himself in an avoidant and anxious mm. relationship. So the different tools that oh there's two that they use uh in order for you you actually need to find like a secure source or someone you think is secure in your life and mm. actually use them to walk through a certain situation you know from a perspective of a secure person you know mm. if you're avoidant or um anxious um so yeah just to carry on in the summary like you said you know it's um the book explores relationships and the different attachment styles and and also to tell you that you're not doomed if you Mm. find yourself in certain (laughs) type of um, relationships Um, and also um, I think um, one important factor um, that I read was you know um, as much as they're trying to get to a point where people that find themselves in an anxious and avoidant relationship get to that secure point. There was an important point that said there's just some relationships that are reconcilable. You know, they mm. get to a point where you can't really, you have to draw that line and say, you know, this is it. You yeah. Know? So I, I found that to be, you know, a high point that, you know, they're able to say, you know, not everything needs to be fixed. Um, you know, so yeah, in a nutshell, that's somewhat of my summary in addition mm-hmm. to what you've said about the book. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, you said that that's a, a hard point, and I think it is in some sense. And for me, it was different, it was almost like a a low point because it's like, oh, you know, I I have this tendency that all all relationships can be salvaged if, if you just work hard enough. Mm-hmm. And I think just accepting that that isn't actually always the case sometimes people really do struggle to change for very fundamental reasons um but i mean as you also mentioned and this is maybe a hard point for me is that for the majority of people they can actually change and also a lot of people are secure which is also really great um so yeah i think I think taking those kind of things into account and not sort of being like, oh, I, I can't, I can't change. I'm stuck mm-hmm. in this attachment style, mm-hmm. is a very helpful thing to realize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Do you have some key takeaways? Yeah, the key takeaways. Um, cool. Should so we kick off with one of yours, one of mine? Okay. Mm-hmm. We just go like that. Yeah, so one of mine, um, I think the one that I had at the top of the list, you know, early in the book, they said, um, even though um, attachment styles are impossible to change, uh, they can fundamentally be changed. And later in the book, it says um, attachment styles are actually like plastic, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that um was actually some good insight to kind of say if let's say you get to a point where you realize that you're avoidant or anxious you not actually feel doomed you know yeah. you can actually you know work on it to actually find yourself in a better position or place you know in terms of your attachment style you know maybe there, there are ways in which being avoidant and um anxious actually works out to your advantage but um I think one should strive to have a secure attachment. So I think just yeah, for definitely. your well-being, you know, and just 
for the relation itself. So just knowing that, that, you know, it just requires a little bit of work. And actually, you, I think just like many things, you know, coming to that realization that, you know, I need to change and I need to act on it, you know, was kind mm-hmm. of comforting that, you know, people shouldn't actually feel doomed, you know, if um, they look back and be like, oh, you know, I've been a mess, you know, mm-hmm. I've been through several relationships and fundamentally every, every time, you know, the reason that this relationship didn't work was because of my attachment style, you know. But if yeah. you then get to that point and understand that, you can then... I think work towards changing that and becoming more secure. So I think that was one of my biggest takeaway from it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a great, a great takeaway. Like we were saying earlier, it's just great to know that you can, you can actually change it. Hmm. And it's also helpful to realize that the books like this give you information about understanding yourself better and understanding those relationships that you have mm. and then from that you can learn oh, okay these are the ways that that i have destructive patterns and mm. these are the things that i do well how can i over time learn to be more secure in the destructive patterns that i have mm. um and yeah i think it's a very helpful thing cool um yeah so going on to my first takeaway, I think it's a fairly <laughs> obvious takeaway, but I think it's helpful to just re-go through them, yeah. which is the, the actual attachment styles, that yeah. there are those three different attachment mm. styles, anxious, avoidant, and secure. And I actually think it's a really helpful way of classifying um, attachment styles. Obviously, you can get too lost in being like this person is mm. this or that, but I think it's an extremely helpful way of thinking about those attachment styles, those relationships between people and and why things play out the way that they play mm. out. I think um, in the book they, they say something along the lines of um, that we end up acting out in extremely predetermined ways often, um, which I think can for some people be quite surprising because mm. they think, no, no, I'm I mean, very much in control of what I want. Mm. And I know the way that I'm thinking about things. But meantime, if you sort of, especially over the course of years, if you look at the way that relationships play out, then people often fall into very similar or cycle. Yeah, similar cycles to their, their past relationships and things like that. And this book, I think, helps one to realize what that kind of cycle is mm. and why one acts in those ways. Mm. Obviously, it can't get to the all of the core roots of why, but I think it's a very helpful mm. thing. I think just to add that, you know, as anything in life, you know, I think uh, the fundamentals remain the same. You know, the situation might be different, but the root cause, the fundamental, whatever it is you're going through or whatever... Um, where you react to things, you know, there's always a similar root cause. And I think this book addresses that rather than, you know, giving you a guide map to mm. how to react in certain situations. So um, I don't think it's, it necessarily has to address every single situation, but it can just equip you with, mm. you know, you identifying what are the root causes and the fundamentals of why you act a certain way, you know, like you say, like we act in a predetermined way. And I think, I 
mean, I think we've had this conversation in the past. Isn't that also how our brain works? Mm. You know, we think we're making cautious decisions, but it's actually based on the different scenarios that have gone through our brains that, mm. you know, we actually not... we Decisions are being... Or outcomes are being made to the input that we actually mm. get. Um, so I believe everything that we do is based on the setting calculation. No, it has been predetermined. It's just that we haven't faced that thing yet. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a massive combination of, of like, factors at play. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the book, I think they touch on the fact that uh, people have tried to trace down to... Try to chase trace the attachment styles down to like some specific thing. Like mm. one of the people were saying, oh, they believe that it's it comes down to how you were raised. Yeah. But then other other people know it's genetics, and mm. and the reality seems to be that it's actually all of these different factors. Mm. So it's and it's not just upbringing and genetics, but also general life experience, past mm. relationships, all kinds of things come into play. Um, and I think uh, they they also mention in the book that sometimes it's when you are in a very dramatic life situation. It could be um, the death of someone. It oh, could yeah. be a, a relationship uh, difficulty. It could be many different things. But those are often the cases when fundamental shifts in the attachment styles take place as mm. well. So you might shift from um, maybe you're quite secure and then you become anxious or vice versa um, because of those, those fundamental shifts. So I think, yeah, there's lots of things at play. Um, And it's, I think it's also helpful to realize that and not try and pin it down onto one specific thing. But yeah. Um, But looking at those different, different attachment styles. So you touched on it a bit. um, And yeah, so I, I, think it's helpful just to go over them a little, mm. in a little bit more detail so the anxious style being people that get easily worried about the state of their relationship and they usually feel a very deep need to be close, close. to their partners mm. and it's it's a constant thing that they that they feel um and they generally have a very sensitive attachment system which i also found quite interesting um it i mean it makes sense because they they are very attuned to the relationship mm. and the things happening in the relationship. So if there are relationship difficulties, then they'll pick those up very mm. quickly. But on the sort of con side of things, um, they often will over-excite their attachment system and um, project things that aren't mm. real and mm. things like that because of, of their overly sensitive attachment system, mm. which I think yeah, is quite a quite a thing to be aware of if you you are an anxious person i think uh, just to add on to that you know i think that was an interesting section and i was reading it to say that anxious people are very aware when things change Mm. Uh, you know um i mean there's a whole watching a video of someone's mood transitioning you know from being happy to sad and they were the first people in that study to pick up when that transition you know but like you've also said you know the problem is uh, overly fantasize as to what might be the issue you know yeah. they they do not let the person themselves actually 
what can I say, they speak out on what is actually going yeah. on there, jump to conclusion to what <laughs> might yeah. be the case, you know, and I don't think that's very helpful, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I think it's very important to have a person's perspective on something than you jump in into conclusions about something, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe, you know, th- that ability on its own, I think is great, you know. I think as an anxious person, you just have to then, you know, change that a bit to say, okay, if I'm able to pick this up, rather than me concluding to what the problem might be, actually going to that person and asking them, like, oh, what's actually going on? Yeah. I think that can be more powerful than, you know, the rabbit or they end up going down, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, they, it's definitely something that they touch on in the book where they they suggest that people that have that anxious attachment style mm. don't, as you say, jump to conclusions. They need to delay what they're thinking mm. but, um, before they jump to those conclusions and get the input from their partner mm. or outside um, circumstances before they, they make those conclusions. Um, but I mean, at the same time, it's interesting that very quickly an anxious person can be um, calmed mm. by the presence of their partner. Mm. Um, yeah. So then on the anxious um, attachments, oh, sorry, this is probably going to be a, a long point because we could touch on all the different um, parts of it. But um, you mentioned the activating strategy. So I had a, a note here that says those are the... So maybe just a quick side note because it took me a little bit of time to realize this, but the the anxious style has generally activation, activation strategies, strategies yeah. and as you mentioned earlier, I think the avoidance Events. style usually has yeah. deactivating yeah. strategies, and so for the anxious style, those activation strategies are the thoughts and feelings that compel them to seek closeness with their partner. And then on the deactivating side for the avoidant people, those are any thoughts or behaviors that are used to reduce intimacy because the avoidance are normally people that are trying to um, distance themselves when they get close. So I thought it'd be interesting to go through a few of those activation strategies um, that anxious people use. Mm. Um, So some of them are the, the worrying that this is the only one shot at love mm. that this is the, the um, what's it soulmate and, and things like that. The one. <laughs> yeah. The one. Um, and then another thing is constantly thinking about their partner um, to the point of uh, not allowing them to be able to just do their daily things mm. because they are so fixated on their partner. And then, Another one that I think is a even more dangerous one is putting the partner on a pedestal um, to think that they are more perfect than they actually are. Um, and I think that sort of goes hand in hand with the view that they often have of themselves, which they, they often sort of diminish themselves. I don't mm. think that that's a necessarily an activation strategy, but they, but yeah, those, those are some of the activation strategies. Um, yeah there's there's also the protest behaviors so Mm. yeah so those are any and that again is generally for the anxious style people protest behaviors are any action that attempts to re-establish contact with the partner Mm. and get their attention so it's often things like 
excessive attempts to call at calling the person when they say, for example, they're working. No, no, and, but just to double back, remember mm. the protest behaviors are just to get closeness. So it would be ignoring cause. Um, so it's it's more of um, you did that. I'll do this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it, it won't be the excessive calling. That's when that's an activating strategy. Uh, we would have to we'd have to check, but I, I think that the the protest behavior is excessive. So when when um, you are activated mm. and you sort of worried about them not uh, not having contact with you, then in order to reestablish contact with the partner, then you make calls mm. often. But then, like you were saying, the giving the silent treatments and things mm. like that is another protest behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but we can we yeah. can look at it, but I think they kind of couple together generally. Mm. Um, another one was the keeping score. So yeah. trying to, uh, you do this, I do this. So also similar to what you said, Nana. And then another one is making the partner feel jealous. Mm. Um, and what's interesting there is that for the anxious style, the making the partner feel jealous is a very purposeful thing. Whereas with the avoidance style, the making the partner feel jealous is, it's less purposeful and it's more a, a sort of, I don't want to be around you because mm. you've gotten too close to me. I'm rather going to spend time with this other person. Mm. Um, yeah. No, but it's also, remember... The avoidance actions are then misinterpreted by an anxious person. So, like you said, it's not them trying to make the their partner jealous. It's just that since they want to create distance, so rather spend time with someone else than their partner, and that in turn then creates that illusion or. or makes an anxious partner actually feel jealous and everything. It's not a protest behavior like an anxious um, person would do. So it's not... Um, it's not intended to uh, make the partner jealous. Yeah. It's just because of their deactivated strategy of trying to create space, yeah. they'll opt to do something with someone else instead of, let's say, in their codes, the anxious partner. Mm. And then they, on their own, then run through that jealousy and whatnot, whatnot. Yeah. But yet, if you look at, on the flip side, with the anxious, the person with an anxious attachment style, they will purposefully do things to make mm. their partner jealous. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a strange difference mm. uh, in the way that they act. Um, and yeah, and then another thing is that in the book, they recommend for people with an anxious attachment style that they do their best to avoid dating, um, <laughs> avoid dating avoidance, um, generally because of the fact that avoidance tend to push one away when they get too close where an attached um i'm sorry anxious people gen tend to like draw in um, which i think they call in the book uh, 
the anxious avoidant trap, <laughs> which, yeah, a dangerous thing. Um, and then going on to the avoidance style, so I think we've kind of touched on it a bit, but yeah. just uh, sort of quickly running through it. So that's all the, those are the people who obviously they, they actually want to be in a relationship, um, but they struggle to get close with their partner because they generally need space because of various different reasons, as we've mentioned, upbringing, mm. genetics, all kinds of different things. Um, and so when the relationship gets too close, then they generally use um, disengagement tactics or what they call deactivating strategies. And those are some of them, obviously those are meant to reduce that intimacy. And some of them are saying things like, I'm not ready to commit. Mm. I'm focused on, or sorry, another one is that they focus on imperfections. I think that's quite an important one for uh, people who are avoidant to be aware of because focusing on imperfections distances the partner and it makes them it makes you sort of think that they they aren't actually suitable when they might actually be a really nice and mm. um, suitable partner um yeah and they in the book they say that that i give, think they give a title at some point saying seeing the worm instead of the apple <laughs> which i found funny because if a worm was in the apple, I still wouldn't want to eat the apple, <laughs> but I get the point of what they're getting at. Um, and then another one was pulling away when things are going well. I think that's one of the classic ones. Mm. And then another one also to be aware of is the Phantom X, I think, because I think people often will, they would, or avoiding people, them. they'll they'll fantasize about the, the X and things like that. But and then they'll put they'll almost in some sense put the ex on a pedestal mm -hmm. and then compare, compare their current partner and um, dampen the way that they feel about the current partner and obviously there can be cases where the current partner is actually not as nice of a person or this mm -hmm. or that but generally with avoidant people the partner actually might be just as nice or nicer. Than the, than the ex, but they will um, reduce the way that they view that person, be unaware un to themselves that that's actually a deactivating strategy, mm. trying to create that distance. Yeah, so those are, I think, quite important. I don't know if you have any other thoughts on the, the avoidance. Uh, nothing to add. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah and then uh, uh, probably helpful note for avoidance is that they say people with that attachment style should try and de-emphasize self-reliance because I think they, they do heavily emphasize that and rather emphasize mutual support mm. and also um, doing simple things like it could be a gratitude list or, or things like that that can help um, uh, dampen those deactivating strategies. So it seems like a cheesy thing, but I think for people that are avoidant, it, it can actually help because it helps them focus on the positive aspects of their partner mm. rather than the negative aspects. And that can also maybe help them realize when they're thinking of negative things that they're like, oh, okay, it's actually not, mm. not going to be helpful. Um, yeah. You know what the next attachment style is? <laughs> Secure. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't know if you want to uh, touch on that, but yeah, I think uh, while you're talking, there was a point that I put up, um, which says uh, time and again, research shows that the best um, um, predicator of happiness, uh, predictor, sorry, of uh, happiness in a relationship is a secure attachment style. Mm. Um, so um yeah no that's um kind of interesting in the sense that um as they've explained you know people that are secured um often make things about themselves you know they are able to look at a situation from the outside to say okay you've reacted that way it has nothing to do with me and try to be encouraging and supporting and um they try to or at all costs uh, they're always seeking the best interests of their partners mm. um uh, you know and um i think that's that's great in a sense that then it reduces any um fights you know that can be actually draining you know um release tension you know um but yeah um yeah i feel like i think it's been I mean, the whole book kind of tries to lead you into becoming a secure partner. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like, as I said, it's the best predictor of uh, happiness, you know. And I think it's important, and like I mentioned before, you know, we should realize that your attachment size is not a death sentence. You, know? you, yeah. can, you can change that um, to, do the be- to be the best version of yourself, which, I mean, yeah, not to say that, you know, the other attachment styles are bad. Uh, maybe there's something that we're missing of what good there is from them, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's just important that daily we, I think, monitor ourselves in how we react, to, you know, mm-hmm. not just in relationships with the people around us, you know. Um, I think that that attachment styles actually affect all sorts of relationships, not just romantic relationships, yeah. you know. Um, and just being aware of, of, you know, taking stock of how you react, you know, how you do things. And, yeah, like, letting the book, the two used to get to that point is actually finding someone secure in your life and try to put yourself in their shoes to say how would they react if they find themselves in that situation. I think that's something we all need to be practicing, you know, Mm. Uh, just not even like if, you know, finding a person is too hard, you know, like just try to be the best version of yourself when you react to things. I believe, you know, when I sum up and look at the different points that have been raised, you know, if you generally act in the best interest of another person and mm. just be the best version of yourself, that's essentially what a secure attachment style is. It pretty much sums up that. You know, um Yeah. Um Yeah. I think so I think that's a really good good point or a bunch of points. And I was actually chatting to someone else in the more businessy context mm-hmm. and we were talking about one of the key things that one can do when they're interacting with people. Mm. So say you're on a team or you're a manager of a team or whatever your sort of relationship dynamic is, 
in in that business context, one of the most important things that you can do is to have empathy for mm. the other person and to try and um, act in a way that is for their best interests. Because mm. um, often what we do in various situations is we act in the interest of ourselves and that actually normally doesn't work out well for us, even though it's, it seems like, okay, if I act in my best interest, then generally I will work out, I will um, get things to happen that are for my best interest. Mm. But actually, because we fundamentally, um, people are uh, relational beings. Mm. And so we, in in a work setting, in a relationship setting, in a friendship setting, and if we can have that secure attachment style, that goes a long way. And, mm. and yeah, I mean, like you sort of mentioned, those attachments, being able to express yourself clearly, being able to voice your concerns, but also doing it knowing that, um, that you, or doing it having the other person's best interests at, at heart having their well well being at top of mind mm. um rather than your own uh that's not to say you shouldn't get mm. at yourself of course but um but yeah it goes a long way in those relationship dynamics and i mean as you were saying with the those attachment styles they they don't just apply to to work and general relationships but they actually come i think the origins of the whole attachment theory comes from childhood development mm. and then they realized oh this actually applies well to to adult attachment mm. um and i wouldn't be surprised at all if general attachment is applied as well mm. um yeah but uh, i think um for the secure attachment style there was some really like important things that i found which was one it's having that attachment style and you somewhat touched on this allows one's partner to flourish mm. um, because you end up not being, or the partner ends up not being preoccupied with the relationship anymore. They are freed that mental space to be able to just be themselves mm. because they know that the relationship is on secure footing and they know that when they seek intimacy, it will be reciprocated and those kinds of things. Um, and then another one was that in conflict situations, I think secures are really good at, mm. at doing things like refraining from generalizing the, the issues and things like that. So they will be focused on the problem at hand and they will be willing to engage with that problem and try and figure things out with their partner rather than, um, either getting hyper emotional, like, uh, an anxious person might, or, um, distancing themselves like a um, to, um, like just an avoided avoidance <laughs> person would um, yeah and then on top of that they're able to effectively communicate their feelings mm. and empathize with the person to be mm. able to, to come to that resolution um, and then a last thing um, would be that it's also really helpful to realize that if one is able to become secure and or if one is in a relationship with a secure person, then often what can happen is that secure people can make over time 
avoidance or um, uh, anxious people become more secure. I think it's slightly easier to make an anxious person become more secure than an avoidant, but it's mm. still possible. Um, yeah, and I think that's a really helpful thing as well. So that if you were to strive to be secure in in your relationships and that, that you can also help your partner. <laughs> be careful not to be the savior and all of those kind of things. But um, but yeah, cool. Okay, I think that was it for my long spiel for the attachment styles. Um, what is another key point, key takeaway that you had? Um, another key point was um, most people are as needy as their unmet needs. Um, you know, I think mm. we, there's some in the book, you know, I just thought it was quite interesting. You know, um, I think um, the reason I picked that out is to say that we all have needs, you know, um, and that regardless of what attachments are you you are yeah. um and i think why i picked that was that it's all about how then you react it um because if you think about it for an anxious person you know there needs uh closeness mm. then the the more they feel as though they're not close to their partner, the more naggy and needy they can do. Yeah, the more they act out. Yeah. Act out, you know. Uh, and, I mean, same with um, an avoidant. The more they feel suffocated, the more they want um, their own space. Um, and, again, again, and that's the important part, is they're being needy in a sense... <laughs> But it's not viewed that way because they're needing space. Mm. But in turn, you know, the way neediness has been presented to us or the way we view it, maybe it's just me, you feel as if it's always that positive, I want that, I want mm. that. But seeking distance is their need. Yeah. So they actually want yeah. that. But to you, you feel like you're being pushed away. You don't register it as them being needy. But they're actually being needy in their context. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, that was just uh, an interesting fact, you know? And, I mean, later in the book, there was that story of the one couple that um, the guy insisted the move into the same flat, and all of a sudden he felt crowded and low, mm. and then she decided to sublet one of her friend's flats where she would, like, oh, blow yeah. some steam. But after those six months were over, he realized, no, he actually needs her, you know. So it's the thing, of, you know, it's adjusting what your needs are, yeah, essentially, you know. And I think that's also a way to kind of combat... Um, your attachments are to a more secure space because by you analyzing that, it's like, and I think that's the one to the use of how would a secure person react because you then list what it is that bothers you about the partner, how do you react to it, and what's the best way you can do, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. It's the same thing with the need. It's like, oh, I need distance, you know, but why do I need this? 
yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you then compare it with, would a secure person need distance, you know, what do they, they want, you know, uh, and same with anxious, you know, any closeness, you know. Mm-hmm. How is that interpreted by, by the other person, you know? And the, as I said, you know, because, I mean, a lot of the book, compares the anxious and um, avoidant yeah. attachment stars. And at the end of it, I think it's it has to do with um, communication and transparency at the end of mm, the day. You know, yeah. if you effectively communicate where you're at, and I think the reason these attachment stars exist is because of that struggle of effectively communicating to people around you. Because I feel the moment you make your needs known, I think the easier it is to navigate and actually can have a conversation about that. I hear you, you want my attention. And I mean, there yeah. was that example of um, the one guy that was a doctor and I don't know what the lady did, but you know, she would constantly call, call and eventually it's the sat down and, you know, had a discussion about it all to the point um, and the Richter compromise where he would send pre-written texts hmm. to her and just had knowing that his thinking of her like, was hmm. able to calm her down for the rest of the day. Yeah, you know, that's what they need. That, yeah. That's what they need. You know, hmm. so it's just, it just takes that bit of time to understand your partner's needs and wants and yeah. you then adjusting them to that and if you work together to it, then you find yourself in a more secure, you know, position. Um, yeah, so that is uh, yeah. my second point, not as long as the three points you discussed. <laughs> I don't think any of the other points will be. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I think it's uh, helpful as well to realize, um, building on what you were saying, that when when you have an unmet need and you become needy, then you act in certain ways. And then on the sort of other side of things, on the partner side of things, if you have a partner that has an unmet need and they act out in certain ways to realize that that's not, it's not caused by you in the sense that, you did something specifically mm. wrong that caused them to mm. either become hyper attached or either become hyper avoidant, mm. but it is just the their I guess at, at maybe I'll phrase it like a, this: it's their current nature. Mm. It's the way that they generally act in those kind of situations, and so if you are feeling claustrophobic. Um, it's it's because of the or often it's because of someone who is very attached mm. um and on the converse side if someone if you feel like oh you know i have this need to be close to this person but they keep on distancing themselves um especially for anxious people they can often feel like it's their um fault so it's because there's something wrong with mm. them. It's because they did something wrong and they, they worry about those things naturally because they are anxious. Mm. Um, but it it's important to realize that that's not them. It's the unmet need mm. of that person. Um, and to try and figure out, like you're sort of using those examples, 
what are the the compromises or creative solutions that we can come up with mm. to not have those clashes of of interest um yeah it goes a long way cool going on to the next key point <laughs> what's the next um, key point so for me, yeah, it was the secure base, just having a secure base mm. and how that relates to human flourishing. Yeah. So um, we obviously touched on it a bit as well. So we won't necessarily have to go through through too much stuff here. But um, if someone is actually able to be a secure base for their partner, meaning that they are stable and loving towards their partner, who... Um, then is able to at least for the most part avoid the the traps of the the avoidant and the anxious person so if you sorry if you are stable you are generally able to avoid those traps then what that gives is it opens up space for your partner to be themselves and to pursue things that that interest them and rather than be fixated on the relationship so it's kind of a reiteration of what I had said earlier. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's a, a really important key takeaway for me um, is to, if you're able to be that secure base, you, as you also mentioned, you, you'll be happier in the relationship. Mm. Um, and then you'll also help your partner to be happier and, and um, do the things that they're interested in rather than sort of being anxious about stuff that hopefully in a good relationship you shouldn't need to be anxious about. Mm. Yeah. A last comment on that would be, um, I think it's quite fascinating to, to think they, they mention how people with, um, that are in say, for example, the anxious avoidant trap, mm almost can't imagine a stable loving relationship and how much different that can be mm. and so i think if you if you are in that situation um and you f you desire to stay in that relationship which that might be the right choice it might be the wrong choice it varies a lot from situation to situation but even if let's assume that it's the right choice to stay in that relationship you should both try and work towards being secure mm. because the how different the world will be for both of you is is quite remarkable mm. um and it doesn't have to be always that conflict and mm. that dance of one drawing closer and one pushing away it can actually be quite a, a wonderful thing mm. if if they are both partners are able to get to that secure attachment mm -hmm. yeah um yeah be that secure base cool yeah know that i know you always go back to the secure base. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i think yeah it's it's just important to to feel as though that um your partner has your back yeah uh, you know you um you don't feel threatened, you know, by you telling them like, oh, this is what's wrong. Because I mean, like I said, the avoidant, uh, people with avoidant attachments are who belittle you every chance they get. Yeah. Um, you know, um, 
So, I mean, if you're in such a relationship, then, yeah, that person doesn't become your secure base. Mm. Uh, I mean, for an anxious person, you know, having your every move questioned, you know, um, the insecurities, you know, that arise just, and again, like you say, it's it's them, not you. And, mm. um, not having to deal with that, you know, and as you said, you know, not having to do that to make you end up in a much happier situation and by so doing you have to strive for that secure um, mm. um, attachment from both ends, you know, in that relationship, then... Yes, I don't see why not people should work on themselves to yeah. get to that point. Uh, you know, uh, as it says, it predicts uh, happiness in a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think at the end of the day, I think that's what everyone generally wants when they find someone, you know, be happy with them and live forever after. <laughs> I think you I know? can agree with it. Yeah. <laughs> Generally, people are looking to be miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so the, my last point, you know, is uh, one of the blocks. It's about finding the right, uh, the right partner, the secure way. I think just like, you know, how I led into that is like we all want, you know, to be in a happy relationship, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. just, you know, on that, there's a few points, you know, um, that are listed, you know, under that section, you know. It's like, you know, very early, you know, um, on treating... You know, identifying those deal breakers, you know, do not hmm. make excuses when something comes up. If something you don't agree with, you know, move on. You know, you hmm. do not have to fix everything. You know, yeah. some things can be left alone. You know, it's not your problem to do with. Not saying that it's someone else's problem to do it. They just have to do with it and, hmm. you know, better themselves, you know. Um, effectively communicating your needs you know, from day one. Again, mm. like I mentioned before, you know, most people as needy as unmet needs. So if you meet someone, you straight up tell them, these are these my needs. Are my needs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you either come to the party or not, also with reason, you know, yeah. finding a compromise. But you kind of, if you effectively communicate them, then you find a workaround. Need be known that down the yeah. line, you know, something is not met. You're like, but then there is a good enough reason for why that's the case, you know. Um, so, yeah, like never taking blame, you know, when someone does something offensive, you know. I feel like that's very important because... Um, like I've said, I think I've said it a few times that in some cases it's never about you, you know. It's the mm. probably dealing with something, they react a certain way, you need to at all means try to take yourself out, you know. Look at the situation from the outside and be like, what has my role been to this? You know, if you then identify that you did not... Um, contribute much to ending up in that situation then take yourself out of that situation and say like listen you acted this way I don't think it has anything to do with me mm-hmm. either explain why why you are reacting the same in that way or you know move on from it so um, 
Yeah, and the last one is the whole expecting to be treated with respect, dignity, and love. I feel like that's very important. You know, I, hmm. you know, even these days, you know, generally when I meet people, or, you know, someone I might have an interest in, the one thing I say, you know, just treat me kind, yeah. <laughs> kindly. You know, if you're not kind to me, like. Then there's no need, you know, like, yeah. why should I, you know, go through a battlefield for no reason, you know? <laughs> I love yeah. my peace, you know, you, you need to be treated with respect, you know? If someone doesn't respect you from day one, either that will never change or you don't need to live through that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's very good um, because I think often people get, and, and I think, I think it seems if I if I'm understanding the book correctly that often it's anxious people that are very they they really want to get into mm, relationships. relationships. Um I mean all of the different styles interestingly enough want to get into relationships even the the avoidant ones mm. but especially the anxious ones they want to get into a relationship and they will seemingly try to do that despite and overlook those those faults rather than um uh, i guess objectively trying to say hey like this person actually isn't being kind to me mm. the fact that they that they aren't ever calling me mm. um and they just um they just abandoned me after the first date or something mm. like that but then call a week later it's like that's that's an important sign to take note of and it's not it's not like you doing something wrong mm. it's actually that person is is not acting in a secure way mm. and if that's how the relationship is starting out it's probably not a good idea yeah so yeah that's a good point yeah that was my last and final point cool so my last one was uh, effective communication so yeah. it's kind of one of the things that was touched on there and i just think it's vital like it's just it just is vital if you are any of those attachment styles even if you're secure i mean part of being secure is is effectively communicating but if you were secure in all the other ways but you weren't an effective communicator i think you would still struggle and it just wouldn't work but given effective communication I think you can resolve a lot of things. You can understand things without guessing. Mm. Um, yeah, you can acknowledge your needs and clearly understand them and have your partner clearly understand mm. them so that it's not strange when those needs aren't met and mm. that's raised. But um, but hopefully if you are communicating well and clearly you're able to both have your needs met and meet your partner's mm. needs because you're able to try and understand them well and, and things like that um but without that effective communication then um arguments become wars um and all kinds of things like that whereas with effective communication arguments can actually be something where people grow closer together mm. because they learn about each other um and it's quite a dramatic difference that mm. that can have and it kind of plays back to um the dramatic difference of anxious avoidant trap type relationships versus versus secure type relationships um and how those worlds can be completely different because in those in those little interactions that effective communication or that breakdown of communication 
can affect the rest of the day, the rest of the week, mm. your life. Um, yeah, so I think key is is effective communication. Cool. And do you have some concluding thoughts? Um, everyone should read the book. Yeah. <laughs> That's, um, yeah, and no, I just feel, yeah, one should take the time to you just sort of understand what the attachment style is, you know, and mm-hmm. also like be able to identify other people's attachments. So especially, you know, if you want to get into a relationship with them, you know, um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I would highly recommend the book. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's got some very good God nuggets um, <laughs> along the way. So I just feel it would be, yeah, you know, instead of being in this world where people are just out here hurting each other, I think maybe that could be reduced a bit, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, that's my concluding thoughts. So. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think if you if you uh, are looking for, like, understanding yourself better, mm. which I don't know why, like you said earlier, I don't know why you wouldn't, um, <laughs> then highly recommend the book. Um yeah, there's a lot of, I think, probably helpful books and a lot of unhelpful books. Yeah. I think this is definitely one of the yeah. helpful ones. Um, yeah. Yeah, and some of my concluding thoughts are basically just is we are wired for connection to others. Yeah. So, and not just general connection, but intimate connection. Yeah. We want intimate connection and we thrive on that as human beings. And it can be in the form of family, friends, romantic mm. relationships. But as the the authors say, we rely on others for our emotional well-being. Mm. Often we think that we're self-reliant and all of that. And we think that we can sort of face the world on our own. Oh, yeah. And I think even they touch on qu- quite often just sort of random little sort of side notes mm. that they make is that in our current society, the individual and being self-reliant is very sort of highly praised but it's actually a very dangerous thing to think you truly can be fully self-reliant i think it's this book i might be wrong but they give the example of the um into the wild guy Mm. who he he thinks you know he he's going to go out into the woods and and live a life and things like that and he thinks he's going to be fine and um but then it turns out that he actually, once he he was there for a couple of months, I think he, he was like, no, in he wants to return. In his dead moments, he had something about happiness together or something. Yes. Was, yeah. 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 He was. He was saying. So he wanted to return, and he couldn't return because I think the lake that was frozen when he walked across had now opened up and the water was too strong to cross Mm. so he went back and then he died there Mm. Um, and then like you say they found i think his notebook Mm. and in it was yeah one of his last entries was something like um happiness is i can't help paraphrasing Mm. but happiness is pointless without being able to share it Mm, with others Mm. um yeah so i think we rely heavily on our emotional well-being uh, we rely on others for that um, and to to not be ashamed of that that's fine mm. it's, it's human mm. to do that um, 
And then for those who want to actually be in a relationship, which is most people, they shouldn't feel like they are weak for having that nagging feeling to be in a relationship and have that desire for a partner because it's a, a natural human inclination. But caution comes with that inclination because um, as powerful as that desire e- is, equally as powerful are the emotions in a relationship. Um, and if we're not aware of our attachment styles and the general constructive and destructive tendencies that we have in those relationships, then often the relationships can become a massive source of agony mm. and uh, they could actually be a source of joy. But given understanding and time and, and effort, they can be that joy. Um, but we need to reshape the patterns that we naturally fall into to try and be more secure. And if you happen to be one of those secure people, then you can thank a world of colliding factors that, that you are that. Um, and hope to serve it because, you know, you can regress. You know? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but even those secure people, like you say, they need to 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 try and understand themselves mm. so that they can continue being secure. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if most of the time the reason that people are secure is because they reflect on mm. on how they interact with others and mm. things like that. Um, and then, no, no, go for it. No, just uh, but it did mention you know you, you can't be secure up until you then have that like terrible breakup, you know, yes. and then you. Yeah. you things change a bit so um yeah as much as it's from self-reflection you know what if you have generally been that secure person because of just how you've lived through life or Mm -hmm. gone through life you know just be wary of those moments you know (laughs) those moments that can take you yeah somewhere where you shouldn't be you know um yeah the secure can fall and the anxious and avoidance, they can learn to be more secure. Okay, yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it's vital to realize that, um, mm. that we need, we need to try and aim to be secure in relationships, but it's a constant ongoing thing. Yeah. It's, uh, and going with that effective communication, um, and yeah, being the secure base and, looking at all of those different sort of ways of interacting with people um, and trying to, as I think your last point was, trying to say, how can I be more secure? What are the ways? And even if you're secure or anxious or avoidant, all of them should try, all of us (laughs) should try and and be more secure. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Thanks, James. Thanks very much, Peter. (laughs) We'll chat again in a month. Yeah, definitely. Cool. (laughs) Cool.